Okay, so opening up the conversation is Aaron, I believe. Yep. Okay, wow. so give your little uh, your little give your little spiel <laughs> spiel, and then give us your score. Okay, let me write down my score. Uh, oh, oh. Is there it... you go. Okay, it is ready. I have okay. to switch it over. Um, okay, so yes, uh, this is a film that you may not want to sit in with your mother um <laughs> not a family piece for sure um but it did have some redeeming qualities uh but yeah I, man incredibly difficult film and we'll talk about it um but you know i'm still gonna give this i'm gonna give it a 7.9 wow hmm. wow okay that's Honestly, yeah. honestly, I, for, for for Aaron, it's like okay, I'll take that. I'm, I'm yeah. I, I've got many many issues with it, and we'll go into it. Um, wow, but yeah, I can't help but there's a lot of things that this this film does to make you think about uh, society, um, yes, and how people take advantage. Uh, okay, who are you passing it to? Uh, Josh. All right, who's Josh? Oh Yoshi! Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like I like the fact that he has two names. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I he has three names. What's my third one? Yosh, Yoshi. Oh yeah. Josh. Okay. Um, so, um, let me first say that I am not a fan of Lars von Trier. Uh, I never have liked any of his films. So, uh, you know, I don't pick films for the show that are like, oh, I think I'm gonna like this film. Like I pick films even if i don't think i'm gonna like it it's just um i've heard about this film forever i've heard many famous directors talk about it in a positive light and um so i went into this with low expectations um but nicole kidman's one of my favorite actors and um i didn't know that it was like set up like a play like that i didn't know anything about it really so it was all a shock um, but this is what this show is about, ladies and gentlemen. This movie right here is why this show exists for me. This movie was unfucking believable. I loved it. It was so good, and um, it was a, a nice little find that was totally unexpected. And with all that said, Yosh gives Dogville a. Oh, took it away from me, Chris. I took it away Eight. from you. 8.9. There you go. There you go. There you go. Light buddy. masterpiece. Right. Borderline. Borderline. Uh, I pass it to Paul. Well, thank you, Yoshi. I, uh, too, used to <laughs> hate Lars von Trier for reasons I did not understand. Then I saw Breaking the Waves. And I was blown away. And I said, okay. Uh, thereafter, though, that was 1995, six. I can't remember. Uh, startling performance by Emily Watson. Uh, my first introduction to um, Stellan Skarsgård and uh, just absolutely loved it. I knew a little about Doma 95 and this collective that he created with a fellow auteur in Denmark. Didn't really know, but again, didn't have like that sort of tip of thumb ability to go to a phone or an iPad and pull up movie after movie after movie. You'd have to go rent them. And um, 
so this is back in the day, you know, so it just wasn't a thing that I would go and rent, whether it was the video or the DVD. So today it is interesting that you can get Lars Van Trier pretty much on any of the streaming platforms. And I, he does his, his early stuff. I would probably watch independent of the society uh, because I think he makes some very bold choices, but yeah, this is a movie I wanted to hate uh, but Nicole Kidman, as you said, uh, she was in her mid thirties. She is like kissably cute in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, just absolutely adorable. Uh, she's, uh, just, there's a sexiness to her, uh, this ingenue just comes into a small town and how she affects everything. I thought from the opening shot that Chris uh, played for us, this was ambitious and creative and it, you know, it's interesting you say that. You talk about, like, the society, Yoshi, because I'm like, yeah, this is kind of, like, the the four of us have found, like, a home. Uh, definitely I have found a home in French cinema, but this is avant-garde. This is, this is it right here. If you're, like, yep. uh, if there's something that when I'm, like, I just went back to avant-garde, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go dig into that a little bit more, and maybe it's part of, a movie or two or five that we present later in the year, but this is avant-garde and so many themes, allegories. This is fun. Yeah. For me, it's uh, no different than uh, dog tooth. So dog Bill gets an 8.5. 8. 8. All 5. right. Wow, Paul. Wow. 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 We, all wow. right, Chris, bring us home. Well, uh, for all those reasons, uh, that you've just listed about the avant-gardeness, the performances, this would have gotten a nine for me. It would have. But I was so upset and distracted and completely thrown off by the way this movie was made that I'm going to give this film the ranking that I'm giving it, which is a 7.0. Mm-hmm. It dropped two whole points for me, and I cannot wait to get into it with you guys. However, for our audience, <clears throat> our full ranking is a 8.1. So Dogtooth wins this one, huh? Dogtooth wins this one. Dogtooth uh, wins. Paul walks out with uh, two points. Right. Oh, who, who got the third point? Uh, Aaron. Nice. Okay. Um, well, Chris, oh, keep going. Chris. Oh, my God. The, the, I wanted to like this movie so much. There's so much to like about it. The performance. Of, there, there is not a bad actor in this movie, despite that little kid. But, like, his entire purpose is to be insufferable, and he nails it. The little spanking boy, like, oh, I, I just, I wanted to hit him myself. Like, that, that's how much I fucking hated this kid. But just give, just give me a set, Lars. Just give me a set. And if you're going to do the closed set, you know, pretend to open doors, our town style, make it a fucking theater piece. I would have loved to go see this in a theater. I would have loved to, like, to have, like, close-up theater, to be able to walk through Dog, uh, Dogville and to have to move out of the way of these actors as they went through this and to be shocked when this woman is raped right in front of me and you can't do anything. You just have to witness it. But 
the medium of film, like you, you, you could have done so much with this. And I, I get, I get the whole isolation. Everything's a play. I get that. But it was so fucking distracting that mm. I just wanted it to be a theater piece. Yeah, I couldn't disagree more. I thought, mm. I thought it worked so well. I thought it worked so well. How did you guys feel? Yeah, I thought it worked. I, I, I definitely wanted to hate it, but uh, his, what, crane shot, you cinematographers know better than just yeah. coming in. Uh, the blueprint, this is the construct. So for me, my analytical brain, I saw the blueprint and this is where everyone's going to be. I had no problem with the staging. You know, again, um, whether we've seen this on public television, you know, it's funny, Yoshi mentioned Buried Child. It's like, to me, you know, I've, I've watched a, uh, a teleplay. Uh, you know, I've seen Malkovich and Sinise bring um, True West to life. And it, it's a play that is being filmed eh, with three cameras. So here I, I didn't have a problem. What I love, I think what I loved about it is that you are then, you know, the interesting thing about the small town, of course, is that if it were an actual set, we wouldn't know what was going on. But there are shots in this movie where we, we have the rape scene in the background, yep. a conversation yep. in the foreground. Yep. And you're like, and of course it creates the duality can can you in a small town see that going on through the walls do you imagine that's what's happening through the walls are you choosing to ignore it like are you yes, choosing to ignore yes. it i mean these this theme i mean we've you know we've talked about having a show devoted to short films um and there are some short films that deal with uh this subject matter this small town uh judgment interpretation and then seeming right righteous or wrongful justice um yeah i don't want to yeah i want to get i'm too excited but i think it actually it excited me more as i got into it because i wanted to hate it and i'm like oh no this is fun and it's all contained and that's how the small town is because those are the people that i've met through my adult life that couldn't wait to get out of the small town those that are trapped they just like it they like the familiarity of it the routine this is how it is, and I'm like, I yeah. Paul it. Paul nailed it on the head there to justify the choices of of making it in the way that he did. In Dogville, we the audience see everything as it is without walls. What people are actually like behind closed doors, and not what they are in public, and and that's what that shot is all about. Which is one of the most brilliant shots of the piece, where we like paul said we are on a crane at the end of the street and on the very other end of the street there's a rape going on and everybody's in their home doing all their little things and nobody's and really hear... yeah well yeah. even tom's like wandering around looking for her and asking <clears throat> questions and it's just like yeah. and he has a chance to go inside the afterwards to see what happened but he, he elects not to because he probably kind of had an idea of what was going on. Let me open it to the floor. What This is the tough question, but what was this movie about? I, I, think, I think Chuck, I think Stellan Sarsgaard's character nailed it. It's just like, despite the veneer of the small town lifestyle, people are, are dogs. People are terrible people wherever you go to. And they'll put up a facade literally to use the the analogy of the movie they'll literally put up a facade and be like this is how i am outside but as soon as you close that door they're a fucking monster and like despite 
the like i mean perfect example and maybe i'm maybe i'm talking myself into a higher ranking but like whenever we had a a change or whenever nicole kibben was ingratiated into the society however more she was whether that was in a positive way or a negative way it was always the outside world telling you what to think she's a criminal she's dangerous she has all these things about her and that completely warps their own interpretations of her where she helps them they don't really need help but she does and she provides a service but as soon as that fucking guy comes up uh, canyon road to tell them all the terrible things they have to reassess and she becomes less of a person she becomes less of a member of the community like it's about perception and it's about how you present yourself to the world any other cracks at it yeah um you know this is a interesting look on uh you give someone an inch and they'll take a mile you know and and grace comes to this town um to offer herself you know as a service to people and at first everyone's resistant they don't trust her but then slowly surely everyone needs something from her and yes there is a, a an actual <laughs> rape going on uh with many, her many. with yeah with every member in the society but there's also a um a different kind of rape which is, which is like the 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 taking of of her and the taking of her time and she has no time for herself anymore like everyone needs something from her like go do this you need to go grab the apples you got to grab the laundry oh she can't just do that on her own you what are you doing out here grace you gotta go and then oh every 30 minutes you have to go to someone else someone else someone else and she literally becomes like this used I don't know resemblance of a human being and yeah um yeah it's uh it's just a look on you know whether it's a a lush society where she comes from you know where she, she comes from the elitist mafia they have all the money all the power and it's all dogs it's all disgusting people taking what they can get and greed and and filth and and uh, ultimate power corruption down to this town where it's it's ultimate poverty i mean they have nothing it's just literally like bare bone society living off bread and you give them just a little bit and they just take and take and take and they just strip away who this woman was anything she was well a perfect example of what the town is not to jump in again but like is uh i don't remember their henderson i think their name was henderson they literally take cheap glasses and they ride off the edges of it to make it seem more expensive a fucking analogy for the entire town it's you're literally gussying up yourself to give yourself a better perception like you literally take shitty glasses and all you do is just scrape a little bit off and like give the perception of like hey everything's great this is an expensive piece of you know jewelry or whatever yeah, I mean, it just speaks to the hypocrisy. I mean, probably you've got a, you, you know, there's um, what is this a, you know, interpretation, a parable of, you know, uh, of hypocrisy that exists everywhere. You know, we think uh, if if you look at a small town, you think, well, everyone seems to get along with one another, but it gets back to, you know, maybe how, where we started the show is, you know, again, I have no idea what happens in your home when the, you know, the curtains are drawn, the lights are off and the doors are locked and what happens there. And that's a, those that's a private matter but then you present yourself to the public a different way and whether you're in a small town presenting yourself a certain way or mid-sized town or 
large metropolis, that's just who you are and you're interpreted a certain way, but then you privately have a secret or uh, you have a thought, you have a private thought that you're not going to share with the rest of people. And like, how much can you put up with? How much could this small town put up with? Um, what is, you know, because we think, you know, it's funny to talk about our town. Oh, there's a, there's a, there's a play. I mean, that's a great, uh, that's a great comparative. You know, how much can we put up with? What can we stomach? What, uh, how does a, you know, uh, is this the advantage of living in a small town? Is that everyone kind of gets along? But again, they're no different than maybe uh, the towns we live in right now. It's just that now I have to see these people every day knowing full well. I mean, uh, um, and I don't like them or I don't like their opinions, but we have to get along in order to keep, you know, this, um, you know, the infrastructure going or, you know, whatever it is. And, um, uh, you know, they don't. You know. Yeah, I. it seems like you guys saw this more more literally than I did. I saw this as... Uh, maybe it's because I was primed by Dogtooth, but I saw this again as another analogy, which is I'm, why I'm glad these two films made it into the same show together because uh, John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we have grace, who is Jesus Christ. <laughs> And she's run, running away from the city, which is heaven. And her mafia boss father, James Khan, is the Old Testament God. And she ends up in Dogville, which is humanity, with an eternal com compassion for the small folk. I mean, this was clear as day to me. This is literally the story of the, old, the conversion from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And you have that conversation in the limousine at the end of the film between Jesus and his father, God, the old Testament God. And there's that conversation of, of just how for, forgiving can, can and should you be? Because if we do not teach a lesson, because at the end of the day, I think what she chooses there at the end is that, you know, cause, cause you could say, how could she be Jesus if she t decides to wipe them all out in the end? That's her choice, right? She decides to kill everybody. Well, I think what God convinces her of in that moment is that, you know, if you can't picture yourself doing the stuff that they're doing, then they are missing the mark. They are sinners. And, and, if we just only forgive an animal for being an animal and obeying his nature, as they say in the film, then the animal will never learn. They'll just continue to do those things. And she, she, she gets the hard lesson of turning her attention, just like in the New Testament, where Jesus originally is there to heal the sick and perform miracles. His attention turns to flipping tables in, in Jerusalem and focusing on eradicating sin. And so this whole movie is the journey of Jesus through the New Testament. And I mean, it's, it's literally spot on. And it reminds me of Darren Aronofsky's Mother. Have you guys seen that? I'll be bringing Mother to the show then because it's incredible and it's, it's, it's similar stuff. But God... You could say that God made God made people in his image, right? Everyone knows that. Mm -hmm. God backwards is dog. And I don't know if this is has anything to do with it. But I just came up with this. And in God's garden are his dogs. 
which is what humans are without the spirit. Without the spirit, they are just flesh. They are just animals. And so you even have Chuck, who I think is Satan, because Chuck also comes from the city, remember? Yeah. And so Chuck is essentially, this story's inverted Satan. And interestingly, the film inverts the character instead of it being a corrupting influence on Dogville, it is Dogville which is corrupting Chuck. And so it's the environment that is hell. So that's the, I think the philosophical question at the end of the film is, are people inherently bad or are they bad because their environment is bad? Like, are they good and they turn bad because of the environment or are they bad and it's their duty as a human to separate themselves between flesh and spirit and 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 drive out the the dog in them. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and and I'm still and I'm I'm still in the Old Testament. I'm I'm now finishing up Leviticus, so I've got I've got some work to do. But see, Yoshi, that's what I love about you on the show is that uh, you digging in and seeing something that uh, you know I certainly did not see. Maybe I was at a very top level. There was something sort of Christ-like about Grace. I mean, probably the use of light at a few moments. Her name's Grace. You know, her name's Grace. Um, but, and uh, Moses is the dog. Yeah. And she steals Moses's bone. So Moses is pissed, and then she 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 lets Moses live, probably so that Moses can tell us go up and tell a story. Yeah, I, I, and, I didn't and, really I didn't really no, figure that part out, but. No, that's actually, I mean, that would be, because that is Exodus. That is like those, I mean, story after story in Exodus of Moses's, uh, like, are you sure I'm doing the right thing? Lord, as he was referred to then. Yes, just keep going back and explain to them once again what I want them to do. And um, yeah, so you make a really good point. I think it's, uh, gosh, you know, um, hey, there's nothing wrong with coming on the show and learning something. And the, the, you know the, the figurines that she's obsessed with? that mm-hmm. she buys from the front of the store. And then that, that woman, Vera, starts breaking them. Nah, and, and then at the end, <laughs> we get the revenge. But the figurines were the offspring of the meeting between the township and her. And so they were, for her, they were proof that in spite of everything, in spite of all of her suffering and all the rape, there was something that was created of value. And then she has that philosophical debate at the end with, with God, you know, there's that, that whole thing is like such a philosophical debate about like how much forgiveness is, is all is, is just being fully forgive forgiving. Is that really the way, you know, like, like it's, it's a really tough question. Like I look at these people and they're all victims of their environments. They know not what they do. So we must forgive the sinners for, the rapists and the, and the murderers for what they do because they know not what to do they do and then god is like yeah well then it's just never going to change it's going to stay like this forever and she still weeps when they all die too which is for me why she's not satan she's not falling from grace you know she she's it's a tough decision because ultimately she says to him when do i get this power when yeah. do i get this power and when do i get these responsibilities He's like, as soon as, right away. And she's like, okay, well then I want to, to use them for good then. I'm a, so basically she agrees to go be a part of the kingdom of heaven again, but with her present, with the Old Testament God, now things will be, you know, a, a little more forgiving. 
a little more geared in the direction of love than just like straight judgment. Uh, you're kind of blowing my mind here because I'm like, well, I'm, yeah, trying, I'm, trying, to I'm trying to dig into the, the actual story because the kids are all named after like Grecian. And, well, they're yeah, Stoics. They're, they're sto- well, they're, well they're, they're not only that, but they are, they're representative of the pagan era beliefs of what the Romans had. Uh, obviously, the Romans copied the Greeks and yada yada. The, the seven figurines can represent the seven sacraments of the church. Ah. That, and I'm just I'm I'm looking at them. It's baptism, Eucharist, confirmation, reconciliation, anointing of the sick, marriage, mm-hmm. and holy orders. Oh shit. And I'm like, if they disagree with all of this, as soon as they throw all of that out the window, that's when all the bad shit happens. Like that's when she starts to get raped by everybody. That's when <clears throat> all of the like, you know, wow, that's But think about what happens to Jesus when he comes. He comes and he's loving and he, he he's well, but no I'm saying I'm saying you're right I'm saying that yeah yeah no, I know fucking but, deeper but that's what happens with Jesus in the Bible he comes and he's abused he's taken advantage yeah. of he's there to help the people he is he becomes a source of light for the people and for the first time in Dogville all these people have something to live for again yeah and and they're communing with each other for the first time you know the blind man is is admitting he's blind and mm-hmm. they have the Last Supper. I'm just yeah. realizing right now, yeah. the first yeah. time they all have a dinner together. So she's she's this light that comes into the, the, the town that brings everyone together. But then what happens with human nature? They start to abuse that light. And they Tom is Judas. Advantage of it. What's that? And Tom is Judas. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. yeah. I could see that. Well, for me, Tom was representative of Western civilization being heavily influenced by philosophy and not by the spirit. Not that like it western civilizations obsessed with thought and so they ignore right. the spirit and he gets to see grace as this incarnation of the bible that he refers to like because he's the guy who's saying what does he say we don't have to read oh god i don't remember we like, don't have to listen read. to the preachers we can talk about community ourselves it, community ourselves and i think yeah. oh but did tom then get from grace like oh this is uh uh, not only the uh, a three-dimensional interpretation of the Bible, this is actually Christ incarnate. Like, oh, okay. Um, and then Tom's like, this is it. This is like, uh, you know, uh, and I don't know if there's a correlation between, you know, the Thomas Edison and the Thomas Edison, but it, it does have me thinking now, like, okay, now he sees, yeah. he's now a disciple. Now he's going to follow grace, but in a, but it gets a little, obviously a little, uh, there's an emotional connection, but, uh, but maybe there was an emotional connection among, you know, Jesus and a disciple, like, but not to the degree where there's going to be uh, sexual Congress, but it's just like, you know, but there's an adoration, a love of what they're doing. So I think you, you, you're sparking, like, um, now my brain is going, oh, wow. You know, because I'm like, is this a, is this an anagram that I, you know, I completely missed? But this is uh, like, you know, this is the whatever the villain. This is this is why I'm saying it's, he's Judas, because the Judas kiss right. after the Last Supper is the last time that he sees him as a good person. Oh, yeah. 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 That's so cool. Catholic school stuff. Catholic school. Yeah. So so what do you guys how do you guys interpret the that ending conversation between if we're going to go with Jesus and, and yeah. the Old Testament God? What is how do you guys feel about how Lars von, what is Lars von Trier trying to say exactly? And how do you guys feel about it? Because I don't know if he got as deep as you did. No. Um, 
You don't I think, think he intended that, all this? Uh, it'd be hard. Yeah, I think it'd be a little hard because I think what? Yeah, I don't it's think so he. I don't think he ever. I well, I think I he, again. It's still. I don't. I don't think. I think one of his things is that he's never been to the United States or has never left Denmark or it's some weird thing. I mean, he's gone throughout Europe, obviously, to film. But I'm like, I don't know if he. I, so I'm trying to understand, like, see, for me, I got, I didn't leave Denmark on this. I mean, I, I, I took the Chris path. I went, okay, what, what little I remember about 2003 Denmark, they hated anybody who wasn't white. And they had two, uh, the political party in office was far, 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 far right. And then that party was reelected in what, 05 or whatever. And they were far, 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 far right. You know, I, I went down the historical perspective because I thought, is he indicting his own country? Um, but there's nothing in here, nothing really in the movie. But to a degree, if, if they were so anti-Muslim in a country like Denmark, where you think, oh, well, it's Scandinavia, you know, they, they're open-minded. They're welcoming everyone from, from, uh, from all countries. But no, it's not. You know, they were like sort of the last to believe in like the European Union. Um, you know, Denmark is kind of kooky in that regard so i i guess i walked in i came into the movie thinking okay lars i don't think he was somebody who was like frequented the united states it wasn't an indictment on the united states he was looking at his own country his own backyard and then wrote this parable about you know small town big town and sort of high level uh um you know man v man v man uh man v society type things i didn't get into you know, this, you know, kind of, you know, kind of biblical minutia, which is actually more fascinating to me. And now I'll, you know, you've inspired me to go do a deeper dive because I'm sure that I missed uh, biblical passages throughout this movie. I'm sure that, you know, it'll be revealed that, you know, Tom has been revealing, you know, passage after passage that I completely missed. So that's great. I'm looking up several different things on the internet right now. If you just type in Dogville in Christ, there are five oh, scholarly uh, articles written about this analysis. <laughs> this is awesome. Thank you, yeah. Yoshi. Oh my God, <laughs> I love it. Are they, they're, they're saying that it's like, that's what it's about? That it's, it's an anti-gospel. That it's, it is, oh, exa- wow. it, is, it is, it is parabling the journey of Jesus. If, if, if Jesus did not, if Jesus was not Jesus, essentially. If, well, that's why I was asking you guys what the ending means, because that's what I, I'm struggling with is what is he trying to say? Because he might be no. trying to say that that Jesus is a faulty equation that Keep that, going. By, that by only being forgiving, you're not uh, enforcing people to take responsibility for their own lives, um, because in a, in, a, in a society where. You know where we are all aware of evil deeds and injustices happening under our noses. Um, but we choose to stay silent for personal gain or, or especially not to acknowledge the fact that we have become monsters ourselves as only, but basically we become monsters ourselves mm-hmm. by ignoring all the, all the, all the shit around us. And just like, cause it's just too much to, to bear. It's this, the responsibility is too big. I think I veered off a little bit, but no, I, I think I, you're I, onto I, it. No. I, I am, I am a little confused as to if Lars, Lars von Trier is saying that Jesus 
is unrealistic or or what is he saying i think i think you're right i think that i mean the that's the thing about achieving nirvana as the as the buddhists understand it i mean the reason that the buddha is smiling in the traditional sense is that he he is able to achieve achieve nirvana and achieve uh, total compassion for everybody he takes mm-hmm. in the world suffering and smiles anyway he doesn't get beaten down at we as humans haven't reached that level so we are overwhelmed with empathy we can only achieve empathy up up to a certain level we cannot achieve that cosmic oneness that we are looking for and only a person like jesus or like buddha or like any other prophet from any other religion that's done this can achieve that but they have that conversation at the end about dogs and and i think that's really where it's all where where whatever he's trying to say it's it's in that little monologue which is you know why shouldn't her stance and why she hates her her father initially is why shouldn't we forgive the dogs? Because they're just obeying their own nature. Yeah. And their nature was created by you, God. So how come you're punishing them for just doing what you designed them to do? And then God's defense is that dogs can be taught many useful things, but not if you forgive them every time they abuse their own nature. Yeah. And it's the same thing with humans. Our nature is to survive and reproduce, to eat and to fuck. And we must plow our souls as tarkovsky would say to and understand our psychologies and practice identifying with the spirit rather than the flesh to remove ourselves from being dogs so that we may be in the kingdom of heaven Mm. aaron you you believe in god (laughs) ah yes i do yeah i mean i'm just taking in this uh this conversation i think it's very intellectual and um i agree I mean, if you guys pass me the ball, I'm definitely going to derail this off of a uh, metaphysical level. Um, yeah, achieved achieved if you're ready for that. Of intellectualism. <clears throat> I would like to derail um, the Christ analogies for some things that, that did bother me about this film. Um, because I love what you guys are saying. I love this discussion. I love all these things I can connect in my mind as you're speaking it. But while I'm consuming the film on a first go, the, none of this is going on. Um, in fact, the the editing and the the cinematography of this movie felt so disjointed, yeah, so awful, so shaky, and like remember that scene her and uh, what's the guy that she did orchard gatherings Chuck. with? Chuck, that's Satan. Her mind. her and Chuck are at the bench, right? And they have this like awkward or is it her and tom damn i'm forgetting but it's her and somebody are at a bench and they're about to kiss but then it cuts and they're standing and then it cuts and they're like she's far from him and it cuts and she's close to him and there were so many moments in this film that well you wouldn't like terrence malick then my friend don't watch any terrence malick films (laughs) well i mean i'm I'm curious what you guys think about it because to me i was just like this is so uh, disruptive and I don't see the purpose of it. It seems very almost lackadaisical and amateurish. Like it could have been shot so much better. And that, that really derailed me from enjoying the process of the film. Now, all these things you're talking about, like that's a phenomenal movie, but like for me, take out the rape, let's, let's have a better cinematographer. Let's get some good cuts. And now we have one of the best movies of all time. That sounds great. But like, I, to me, all the raping. Do you want to go to the, you want to go tell the authors of the Bible to take out all the torture of Jesus too? No. 
because it's symbolic. I think it's all symbolic. They they rape the thing that's changed that they that's what rape is is to is to is to take something without consent to abuse it. It's a it's a symbol for these these people acting on their animalistic impulses, which they'll later regret when when they're laying in their bed three hours from now, only to then again do it the next day because we're animals, we're dogs. It's a symbol. Yeah, I get it. Okay, so can you, let's let's get off the because we've gone back and forth about how I feel about rape scenes clearly on Virgin. I mean, I'll, I, I well, I can try to pick movies that don't have rape in them, but it's gonna show up. No, 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 no. <laughs> I get it. It's just it's it's uh you know it's just not it's not my my class. You know, if if I'm directing a film, it's just not where I'm gonna go to show my message. That's a personal choice, you know. So if yeah, the yeah. director wants to bring us into his sick mind and show it like this then you know it's going to resonate with some people but i'm more That's curious i'm more curious about the 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 cinematography and what what is that editing direction and why did they choose to make it choppy and disjointed and messy and shaky it's and like lighting. yeah well it just i mean to sort of make somewhat of an allowance though i don't think it exactly qualifies as see he started he lars von Trier, um, and I'm not going to get this accurately, but he started Doma 95, which was he and another filmmaker started this, and they set out a list of rules of how they were going to shoot movies. Dogville does not qualify, so some of Lars Venture's earlier work qualifies, but there is a spareness when he shoots a movie where we try to use natural light. Like, for example, this violates a Doma 95 tenant because it was shot on a stage, um, so he's got elements of how he used to shoot movies and then other elements uh, that maybe he incorporated because he was shooting on a soundstage. So there's a small allowance there just to at least give you his historical context and how he's approaching film. Because if you see Breaking the Waves, you'll see it's very spare. There's, it's whatever light is available. You're a lot of handheld shots. There isn't uh, this sort of there isn't a sequence of shots that are all going to be handed over to the editor where they'll have multiple things to choose from. It's sort of, you know, you're just, you're following somebody and then you, you follow them rapidly and then slowly. And there really isn't a lot to choose from. That yeah, would be it felt like the of- editor was screwed. I mean, I felt like I was watching five takes. Mashed I think it together. was. I think it was purposeful. I don't think that that was. It seems accidental. so. I mean, how are you going to take five different takes, five different energies, and just smash them together and be like, "Look, we can." We're good. I can. I can concede that it wasn't the most visually appealing film, and there were choices that were made that I don't fully understand. But was it enough to make me focus on solely that when all every single performance of this film was really fucking good? I mean, what more do we need? I, for, as far as I'm concerned, we have a massive analogy, which maybe not everybody's picking up on or agreeing with, right. but we have either way a huge story and a huge message and a huge uh, detective uh, journey to go on. Yeah, but what's and the budget? It's, it's paired with all these wonderful performances. That was, I mean, yeah, it didn't break masterpiece for me because maybe, it, you know, it's a play at the end of the day on a, on a stage and it's not a full cinema film. And perhaps it would have been a masterpiece if it was, but the acting was really, really good. Um, and, uh, and for me, it, I mean, I, I was never with bored. The budget. I was pretty low and people yeah, voted with their, with film, their, with their, with their purses and their wallets. It, it didn't, didn't make any money. I don't think if it was a million, I, I you would, 
be on it before I am, but if it was maybe a million or little passion right project, now. supposedly oh, yeah. it's part to of me, this could have been made with, you know, 20 grand and a theater. Like I just don't, I don't get where the money went and I just don't understand the editing. And to me, it just had some lazy moments like uh, where it's, it's not, um, uh, it doesn't continue in a line like I'm watching scenes that just don't have the same energy literally per cut and that bothers the hell out of me because I'm like did we have like a lazy direction here did did like was it just open-ended and we're doing a lot of improv and like we're in the editor editing room freaking out how are we going to make this work we didn't get this coverage and we didn't do this and now we're okay well let's just put this together and make it work let's go to the top down shot again yeah, exactly. Uh, for for context, it was made with a budget of ten million. Uh, the ten. United ten million. That's uh, nothing. That's nothing. No. You realize Nicole Kidman's in your movie, bro? Yeah. Half of uh, that money's going to her. No, I think she probably got like a million. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, the the gross in the United States, the entire run it was it was going uh, was only one point five million, and the cumulative no money. The cumulative uh, worldwide gross was sixteen. But that's not. We don't. We don't judge films in this show. And yeah. I, what, what, I know are we, what are we even talking about right now? I don't understand. I like, we don't. We don't. How, judge how is that your defense as to why the movie sucks? Yeah. I'm talking about the cinematography and editing, which is a huge part of cinema. What are you talking about, dude? Like, I can't just like go into the, oh, the the metaphysical Jesus aspects and like how I'm talking this talking about the budget is what Christ. I was talking about. I'm talking about. Why I know, I'm but I, I'm also saying like what happened in the editing room because what I'm looking at is not masterful work. I'm looking at mishaps and some pretty clear obvious like mistakes and i'm calling it out and i mean i'm pretty sure you guys saw this as well like it felt dis disjointed it didn't feel like art moving and pacing and like you know it just felt ugly and i just don't think that was intentional i think somebody made a mistake and in editing they had a freak out no I, that's all I i'm mean, calling it just to make a small allowance for him again he comes from this world where it's like less is more and that's just how he operates and uh let me rely on the set and the performances, which, um, you know, for me is where it was. Uh, was yeah, I, this idea on. that like, like people operating on this level of filmmaking are being lazy or making mistakes is just does, does, doesn't really jive with me. I, I don't think that that's, yeah, he's, he's definitely, he's like in his 20th or 25th year of yeah. making films. I mean, the guy, you know, it's like, this was a choice and you're not, uh, you might not uh, like the choice, but it's definitely like, not yeah. just like, Oh fuck, we fucked up in editing. Well, it does. It does feel disjointed. Like a perfect example, my favorite well, scene was was the car where James Caan and Nicole Kidman are having that conversation, whether it's God or whatever. But like, there is a hard cut, literally the exact same thing where he says, "You're arrogant," and then he turns to the side and he's like, "You're arrogant." And it's like, what? <laughs> and it's it's. It, I mean, it, it, they they say it in in the thing. It's like Lars von Trier tortures his audience. With, yeah. with this choice and whether that's whether that's intentional or not it's it's definitely disjointing and i feel tortured yeah uh, <laughs> all right well hey uh, i just want to say that the woman who was robbed of the dead cinema society best performance of lauren bacall <laughs> no harriet anderson harriet anderson Whispers was harriet in this anderson. movie yeah of course she what? played she gloria was? She, she was, was the one yeah. with the elderberry bushes yeah i thought that was uh Oh, Ma Ginger was Lauren Bacall. 
Yeah, Harry Anderson. Yeah, Harry. I mean, Laura Bacall was amazing as my. Harry though. Anderson was the woman in Cries and Whispers that mm-hmm. was dying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, that was a good one. 